right, here we go. Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, App, Google Play, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for tuning in, especially in these crazy, crazy times with the coronavirus uh, wreaking havoc in all of our lives, some more personal than others, and it's truly unfortunate what the hell is going on out there. But we sit here today, a couple weeks into this whole madness, and Duffy and I, who is here, and he'll join me in a moment, uh, have been talking, and as well as Frank, shout out Frank, and my other podcast comrades, have been talking about how we want to get back out here and start doing some content to make us all feel a little bit normal, to make it all, you know, to push it off to the side for a little bit, to think about some other things and have some good, fun conversations. So John Lucas Duffy, my man, is here with me. So before we get into all this stuff, let me say this. What up, dog? What up, Dell? Uh, chilling, man. It's quarantine. We just got to find ways to keep ourselves uh, occupied, you know? We were saying earlier before we jumped on the call. That's Every day, a little bit. Playing some video games, watching some TV, playing cards, whatever it is. You know, there's moments in normal life. I know I think this absolutely all the time when I'm, my schedule is a little crazy. I have to be here for this thing. I have to be there for that thing. And this family thing and, and this work thing. And, and it all gets so crazy. And I always long for these weekends where I have zero plans and I could kind of do whatever I want. And now that we're, you know, stripped away of the whatever you want portion of this, we do have the no plans part of this. And it's been a very weird transition for like so many people out there, myself, including, I'm sure you working from home, uh, not having the sports and live content that we're used to, especially in this time of year. It's insane. Uh, so, man, video games have been huge. And we'll, honestly, in the future, we're going to do other podcasts about different things, not just uh, current sports like we're going to do in this podcast. We're going to talk about the NBA, but we're going to talk about some old stuff. We're going to go back and watch old games, talk about old teams, talk about some of the ki- uh, things from our childhood, uh, as well as maybe we'll talk about video games. We'll do a whole podcast maybe about the games that have gotten us through this quarantine and some of the old games we've dusted off and some of the new games we experienced, maybe same for TV movies and et cetera. But um, Duff, what has been the number one thing that has uh, sucked up your time in, in your quarantine life? Uh, if my boss is listening to this work, but if anyone else <laughs> is listening to this, definitely just TV, like watching old TV, new TV, a lot of movies. I've been trying to like, maybe hopefully watch one new thing every day or read or do one thing, new thing every day. I think actually I failed at that today. What the hell dude? Yeah. Did I fail? Yeah. I failed at that. Oh, but the reason is because there's a, there's a, a ringer podcast coming out about the wire mm-hmm. uh, every episode. So I'm going through and I'm rewatching it just to see what this podcast is like. I'll see what the first season is. See if I like it. I did the same thing for the game of Thrones podcast. So right, right. I'll give, I'll give it a shot. There you Give go. It a shot. See you I mean, the pot is. I think that I think that counts as new. I think you're cutting yourself short because even though it's I'm striving not, to a new towards a new experience. Exactly. The show may not be new, but the podcast is new, and that counts for something, Duff. That counts for something. Yeah. Um, I'll hop on that tomorrow. Isn't it funny though? How I mean, I know I have like a mental list running all the time of like, oh, this is a movie that I want to see. Oh, this is a show that I want to start watching, and now I still have all this time, and I'm I'm still like I don't even know. That mental list, I completely forgot it. It's wiped out of my brain. All the movies I said, oh, I'll watch that one day. Oh, I'll watch that show one day. 
these are the days, and I'm still not really watching them. <laughs> I'm just seeking out it's, new newer stuff. Well, it's kind of discouraging because I was gung ho like in the beginning of it, watching old stuff like that, and or like new stuff that I missed, whatever. And a lot of the stuff wasn't as like I, I don't know, like some a lot of times I just won't watch something because I'm like, eh, it just doesn't seem like something I would like, and. You know, like maybe that's just me being lazy. Maybe I'm just complacent and I want to watch the stuff I know I like. Um, so I end up rewatching a lot of things. So like now I've been taking this time to watch those things and I'm kind of just like, oh, all right, whatever, let's watch them. Like hopefully I like it, whatever. And <laughs> I'm finding out most of the time I really don't like it and I've my instincts are correct. Oh, man. It's disappointing. Disappointing, disappointing yeah. development there. It's not where I expected that to go. Well, like, did you have you, uh, like, I watched the original Blade Runner. That doesn't really hold up, special effects and whatnot. It's like mostly action sci fi stuff and like something made, I don't know, I think it was the 80s when that came out. So, like, that doesn't hold up as well. Can't be good. Uh, I watched 1917 last week. Okay. I did not like that. I thought it was boring. I thought the way it was shot was cool and it was like, like, I thought that aspect of it was really nice and like pleasing. But, like, as in terms of, the the story like how the story went like i don't know i think but the other thing is like i didn't watch it in the theater i feel like that would have been kind of like dunkirk where if you don't watch in the theater you don't get like you're totally immersed in the story and what's happening around the characters that's a big screen especially yeah such an intense environment like so that one i I would say is 50 percent me 50 percent the movie and then what else oh but i did watch like a weird movie. I was honestly like not even looking for this movie. I was just scrolling through HBO uh, Go app with them in the movie section. It's called The Darjeeling Limited. D A R J L E E I N G Limited. Okay. Yeah. D A R J E L I N G. This is the content. I spelled it wrong the first time. This is the content that I can't spell in my head. It's like if you ever seen that if you ever if you've ever seen that meme with Owen Wilson where he has like the head bandages on and he's just is pointing his finger and he's like, Look at these assholes. Right. It's like that's that's really the only thing I knew about the movie is that meme. Okay. So I was like, I oh, didn't even know where that on. was from. I but I didn't know the name of the movie. I knew it was like a Wes Anderson movie. I didn't know the name of the movie at all. And uh I just like hit play on it and I thought it was really funny. So that there, there I would recommend. It was like don't it was like quick hour and a half. Don't expect too much of it. It's just kind of like a weird, quirky, kind of funny movie. And now anyone listening maybe might possibly, if they maybe weren't paying attention, could spell that movie right if they were looking for it. Because <laughs> I guess that's... Yeah, go, con- just go just go <laughs> under the D section and you'll see it. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's the content you get during quarantine is Duffy spelling movies from memory on the podcast. <laughs> incorrectly (laughs) incorrectly nonetheless um before we get into our big topic here which what we're going to do we wanted to do one more current episode and current is a tough word to even use here because obviously the nba season's on pause right but we um are going to act basically as if the season is done today playoffs or not doesn't matter because you know regular season awards and we're going to pick our all nba teams but um right before we get into that content i just you know this is such a weird time in life, and I, I don't know how to put it all into words. I'm not here to try to lecture anybody, like stay home, watch hands. I don't know. Sure. But I guess just 
take this time. This is my only piece of advice. Take this time. Duffy, I'll, I'll, I'll drag yours into this. Try something new. That's a great thing. Number two, do things that you've been meaning to do for a long time or haven't gotten the time to do. And three, just call your family, right? I feel like that's a good little guideline to get through quarantine. Yeah, I've been doing that. walking my dog like so much more and on longer walks than I usually would do. Um, so now I take that time while I'm just out walking. I'll call my family members or like, you know, my dad or brother or aunt or something like that. Right. And your friends too, you know, those little Great Zoom time. chats. Those Zoom chats uh, are good times out there. So yeah, do, do what you got to do. And if you have any good advice for us to try some stuff out during quarantine, hit us up at SportBlogNYC or me at P. Kennedy with two Y's. And uh, yeah, we'll have at it. We'll be out here hopefully every week again, uh, starting now with new uh, podcast content. And it should be fun because we're going to do stuff that I guess I can say we've always like been interested in, right? Like rewatchable type stuff or deep dives into um, specific events like Lynn Sanity or our top favorite uh, Nick players since the 2000s or best Mets and Yankees teams since the 2000s. Things like that that we can kind of have fun with, explore, uh, be casual, and just try to have some entertaining conversations. So I think it'll be fun, and hopefully we can experiment, and hopefully you can enjoy uh, the ride and help you know you stay sane while you're taking your walks or pacing around your, your house or apartment or whatever. Um, but without further ado, John Lucas Duffy is here. My name is Peter Kennedy, and we're going to give you guys our all-NBA teams for the 2019-2020 shortened season, um, which still hurts to say, Duff. It still hurts to say, but that's how we're going to treat it right now. We're going to pretend like the season is over because, unfortunately, you know, that's what we got right now. That's the best we got right now. So yeah, They haven't officially canceled any regular season games. They're hoping to play them in, like, neutral sites in the Bahamas or wherever, but I'm not too optimistic about that. I'm just right. I'm just praying we suck playoffs yeah the, what, what i'm doing here with this whole thing sports and non-sports i'm just expecting the worst and getting happy with any wins we can get so yeah these tournaments all are great ideas and hopefully we get some semblance of a playoff or an end of a regular season end of playoff if we're lucky but we'll take what we can get at this point point. and right now what we can get is into the season that we saw this far i will say this about the season though duff and i was thinking about it on my my long walk today very hard to think about the signature moments of this season, right? Because the way this season was breaking down with the Bucks' incredible uh, run throughout the season, they were in first all along. The Lakers, like, quiet consistency and then resurgence or surgence at the end uh, there. The Clippers and the and the Raptors and the Celtics and the Nuggets. Um, you know, a lot of teams... Yeah, a lot of teams were doing cool stuff, but it, it all felt like the signature moments were a week or two or three weeks away. And this was a really, really interesting season that was just about to start to peak. I don't even think it was about to peak. It was about to start to peak. And that's why it stings extra. Um, Cause I think about the season and do you, do you agree or disagree? It's hard to really put your finger on like multiple signature moments of this season. Like what was the signature game? Like, yeah, we had some good uh, Clipper Laker games. We had, um, I think some good about good battle between the Bucks and the Lakers, if I'm not mistaken, and some some other games and the Zion stuff was really fun. But Duff, when when I say all this stuff, do you agree? Do you think there was more signature moments than I'm letting on? And I'm kind of just being down on myself here. But what do, what do you think about that? Uh, I'd say signature moments. I think Zion making his debut. I feel like that was definitely a signature moment. Um, I feel like all the Laker Clippers games, like you're saying, those were all kind of 
signature moments because there's never been this like serious there's never been a rivalry between the Lakers and the Clippers and now this year the Clippers are favored over the Lakers but not only are they favored over the Lakers like that's happened before with like the Lob City stuff and while Kobe was on his way down down and out and then Chris Paul Blake Griffin like all those guys were starting to pop off for the Clippers but like they weren't both title contenders now they are so it's like a totally different dynamic in LA um I feel like the Heat were doing really well. Uh, the Sixers were doing really badly. So now that was like a, the train wreck storyline where it's just like no matter how much they did. I mean, look, they were going to make the playoffs. So it wasn't total train wreck. But just in terms of everyone putting them in the finals and their preseason predictions, like it was like a car wreck you couldn't look away from. Uh, and then like, but there was a lot of off the court stuff that kind of shrouded this season in a really disappointing way um, in terms of, you know, uh, David Stern passing away, Kobe passing away, and now coronavirus putting a halt on the season. Like it's been such a roller coaster of emotion on the court, off the court, things happening around in and around the NBA. But I agree with you that the best moments on the court were, were still coming for this season. I really feel like when the season started, it was kind of like, weird and not that good and i wasn't totally enjoying it that much i think a lot of that has to do with like kevin durant's out steph curry is out so soon and along with clay thompson then zion isn't playing until like almost 50 games into the season maybe or it's 40 game whatever it was right so and we don't have a true alpha you know defending champ that's intact as well you know like that yeah that's always something every single season you always have that team that just won it all that is going for it again and needs to be defeated, whether it's the Cavs who, you know, after winning their championship, their team was getting old and not athletic and LeBron was maybe fed up, maybe not, who knows. Um, but that first, I guess it was the second year after they, they won their championship. But but nonetheless, like even now, the Warriors, they're nothing right now. The Raptors are still really good, but they're not Kawhi Leonard's rapper at Raptors. There's no one at the top of the mountain who needs to be knocked off. It's just a race to see who can get to the top of the mountain and stay there, um, which is interesting in its own right. But that battle and that race up the top of the mountain doesn't really get the most interesting until you're battling at the peak. And we got stripped of that. And, you know, that's another piece of what what we're saying here. Yeah, like it, this whole season was just kind of one big buildup to kind of, yeah. like you're saying, all these teams are trying to prove themselves and then they're proving, 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 starting to see, you know, if this team gets hot, if this team gets hot, you know, they could maybe knock off the favorites in this conference or that conference. And we just didn't get it. It was like robbed of us, you know, who's going to make the playoffs. There were a lot of close rates, especially in the West. Like we talked about it a bunch. So, um, right. and, and like there's even, the, but there's... hopefully, I would I would not be, you know, I would be okay with it and just say, you know, the rest of the regular season, it's worth taking the L if we can just get the playoffs. Absolutely. I mean, in real life, the NBA stuff isn't as important as people being sick and, and all that stuff. So, like, we don't want to be insensitive, insensitive of course, but uh, this is not the podcast you're going to come to to try to find breakdown of a pandemic and a national crisis. So, like, obviously we're not trying to downplay any of that, but from a true basketball standpoint and a sports standpoint in general, it really does sting just a little bit extra because in these times of struggle and crisis, sports is the one of the best things 
that helps everything feel normal again and helps you have something to look forward to again. And even in this case, it's like there's not even just no NBA, no baseball. There's no Masters. There's no Wimbledon. There's no college. No there, was no, there was no March Madness. And, and like even a, a, a podcast like us, like we're probably going to do an NBA draft preview at some point. And one of the best ways to preview the draft is to talk about March Madness. Like all these things are getting so bundled up and we know it's not the number one most important thing. But when you have something else that's such a tragedy, it's nice to look to sports. So, I mean, hopefully we could still do that with these conversations. But uh, I think we all know um, where we all stand on on this whole situation. But um, Duff, you know, how do you want to do this? So we purposely didn't tell each other our all-NBA teams, right? So we have each of our teams written down already. I think we discussed like one or two players just at like super short length. Uh, so what do you want to do? Do you want to go back and forth, guy for guy, or do you want to read a whole team off at once? You want to go three to one, one to three? What are we doing here? We're doing some live podcast planning on the podcast, the best type of content. Let's let's do team by team. Team by team. So you're going to read off a whole team, and then I'll yeah. read off my whole team, and we'll discuss. Yeah. And we're going to start at three or start at one? we got to start at one, right? Got to start at one. Okay. Well, one's, one's easy, right? I mean, I think there's only one spot. Think. I think there's one spot up for debate on one. But well, let, let's see. So you, you categorize the players in, at each position. Because uh, I feel like this year there was a ton of flexibility. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, well, I guess there's only one way for us to hash this out. Let's start. So why don't you read me your All-NBA first team right now? Do it. Okay, so first team, two guards, two forwards in the center in that order. Uh, guard number one, LeBron James. Guard number two, James Harden. Forward number one, Giannis. Forward number two, Kawhi. And my center was Anthony Davis. Mm. And that's my first team All-NBA. Mm. What about you? Mm. Very close. Okay, so we already have one difference. And I, I kind of figured that's that's the one right there. That, that's the, the thing you're talking about. I did not anticipate we were going to have any any same like same team. And, well, now we almost definitely won't unless we somehow got the third team down. Because I assume my... I don't think we did. Basically, we, we chatted a little bit. Like, we were talking about how the third team for both of us is, like, the hardest. Yeah. But. Okay. All right. So here's my first team. Okay. I got LeBron James, James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard mm. and Nikola Jokic at center. Okay, I'm I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that switch. I mean, I was really disappointed for here's my here's my reasoning for why I had AD. Um, he's been really consistent start to finish in the season, and I would also put him as my defensive player of the year because I've watched a lot of Laker games. And I've been really impressed with their defense. And I think he's the anchor of that defense with two and a half. He's leading the league, I believe, in blocks. Or wait, he actually might not be, but he is. He's two and a half blocks and one and a half steals. So he's pulling down like, like four turnovers. Like he's creating like four turnover opportunities a game at least, and that's not counting. And I find that to be really valuable, especially especially late in games when the Lakers force a ton of turnovers and get a ton of deflections. So that's why I had him over Jokic, who started the season slow. Yes, he did. Jokic definitely started the season slow for his standards. I 100% get that. But before I even get back into the Jokic-Davis thing, because that is a conversation I want to have, I do just want to point out there are three absolute, no matter how you skin a cat, locks 
for the first team. That's LeBron, James Harden, and Giannis, right? I agree. Those are just like, if you don't put those three people in your first team, you didn't watch one game of NBA basketball or you hate James Harden because that's possible as well, right? (laughs) Because LeBron and Giannis are getting on. If you hate James Harden, like maybe sure you can talk yourself into somebody else and like whatever. But on to like the Jokic part of this conversation. So he started off slow and then went on a tear, right? But one of the things for Jokic that helps me out, and it's not a statistical thing per se, it's you look at the Nuggets team and you look at the people who are also on the All-NBA first team. Jokic is the only other guy without another star on his team. He's the only other guy without another All-Star on his team, right? Uh, Harden had Westbrook. James uh, LeBron has Anthony Davis. Giannis has Chris Middleton. Uh, Paul George, I don't think, made the All-Star team, right? Because he was like, didn't play enough. But like, come on, Kawhi Leonard has Paul George. That's That still counts for something. Um, Anthony Davis and, and LeBron James, for them to be on the same team and both be in uh, on the All-NBA first team, they, they have to be absolute all-time locks, like air airtight case for that to happen for me. And that doesn't even have to uh, do with the fact that Anthony Davis plays with two other centers who play a fair share, right? So those were the non-statistical reasons why I went Jokic on my All-NBA first team. Uh, and what do you think about that? Like, Anthony Davis plays with JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, a fair amount. You know what I mean? Does, does that give you pause with putting him at center, or are you free freewheeling putting him there? Uh, I'm kind of freewheeling because I'm stubborn and I just think, I just think he's a center. Like I get that those guys play a lot of center minutes, but I like, I'm just watching at the end of games and who's there's five, like they play him at center. He is seven foot tall. Like they have Dwight Howard, they have JaVale McGee, but like, I see that more as like who, who you would rather play someone like. I don't know, Bielitsa with Anthony Davis or like Nikola Mirotic or someone like that, a stretch four with Davis. But those guys are really valuable and really hard to come by. So instead, I feel like the Lakers kind of went, because AD wanted to do it anyway. They're like, okay, we can find value in the center position with McGee and, and Howard. So we'll make Davis the stretch four, which... But like to me, he's still a five. Like I, I don't. He's the perfect five for this era of basketball, in my opinion. Uh, it's it's such a tough debate because in theory, what well, I agree with what you're saying. But when you look at how the Lakers play, it's harder to justify that. So I mean, uh, Anthony Davis plays 34 minutes a game, and Dwight Howard and Javale McGee combine for 35. So no matter how you skin it, Anthony Davis is out there for more minutes than not with either Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee. And now, granted, he is a rim protector. Granted, he does close games at center often enough, uh, if not all the time. Um, there, That number right there, those numbers right there, make it really hard for me to justify putting him at center. When the All-NBA team is still set up like this, which I think is silly, uh, but it is set up like this, I need to reward the center, Nikola Jokic, who is also rim protecting uh, without you know, two other incredible shot blockers and LeBron James on his team. Uh, Nikola Jokic actually has had a really good defensive season, surprisingly, and he's been able to do a lot around the rim on defense. So I'm I'm feeling pretty comfortable putting Jokic there. And I know it's really, you're, 
you know, splitting hairs here, but I, I just have a hard time justifying Davis as a center. And I'm actually not even sure what the NBA has uh, on that. Like, do they allow him to put him at center? I don't know if that officially came out yet, but I'm, I'm under the assumption that he's a forward in this All-NBA counting, and that was definitely what made it easier for me to pull, pull Jokic in, even though I think it's pretty close anyway. That's that's fine. I don't necessarily disagree with too much of that, but like, I don't. What I definitely don't agree with is how like the NBA categorizes these positions and like forces you to put players in these boxes with like really limited wiggle room. So this is my way of just being like, I don't really care if you're a center or right. forward. You're just a big kind of. You know what I mean? Like he, Anthony Davis is not a stretch for Anthony Davis like uh slasher or spot up shooter like he he doesn't really do anything that a four does in the way he plays like the dude is down on the block and he's guarding other bigs like in defensively he has a lot of mobility and can switch out to the to the perimeter or whatnot like in, in terms of the way players perform now versus back then and i mean like back then, it was not cut and dry what a center was between a center and a power forward like 20 years ago. Like they mostly did the same things. And now I feel like they do really different things. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And you know, a good way to look at it is if you think about Joel Embiid or Rudy Gobert as like really traditional centers, right? Gobert is a, um, a pick and roll defensive big who is a center true and true. Joel Embiid is a post guy who, yeah, he steps out to the three point line and shoots and he's good at the elbow and whatnot, but he's a traditional center who guards centers and plays down low and, and bangs down by the rim. Anthony Davis is more like Giannis than he is like Joel Embiid or Rudy Gobert. So in that argument, I do totally agree with you that Anthony Davis has a way different value out there. His value, though, works as a center and forward in present day. Right, So if you think about it with this old way of looking at positions, yeah, it's probably hard to justify him as a center. But if you look at it specifically in today's NBA, even though he's more like Giannis than he is Embiid, that doesn't mean that Giannis isn't a center. It doesn't mean that Anthony Davis isn't a center. It just means that that whole thing is mucky, mucked up. And realistically, it should probably be guard, guard, and three yeah, wing bigs. Right, so like, yeah, it's it's splitting hairs, but I I, I feel you. It's it's a hard thing because like, think about this: LeBron James has been a forward on the All NBA teams forever, and now everybody's just like, yeah, no, now now he's officially a point guard because he hasn't been doing this his whole career. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I mean, like, thank God they never had it like point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center, because it's hard enough with the guard, guard, forward, forward, center. I think in the next couple of years it has to change to two guards and three wing slash bigs and just leave it at that. Um, but like, it's just, I, I know I listen to Zach Lowe's podcast on it every year and he always gets so pissed and he tries to pick every loophole out that he can. Um, Cause now like Ben Simmons in theory, if this was five years ago, Ben Simmons would be a small forward, but he's a point guard. So we're, there's, there's progress here, but that one thing with Anthony Davis, specifically him and how outspoken he is about not being a center makes this so tricky. But also one more thing on Jokic before we move on. Um, the way I looked at it too with centers, I looked around the league. I looked at all the teams. I looked at all the centers, and I said, which center in the league can, without the assistance of another all star, be the man 
and carry their team to a top four standing in their conference. And I don't think I thought of any. And you can probably bring Anthony Davis into that, but also you could pick a hole in that argument because of his lack of success before um, playing with LeBron James, right? And never being a top four seed ever. Now, granted, the Nuggets do have good depth and they don't have any other stars, but they do have good players. I just looked at Jokic as a guy who has the offense run through him. The Nuggets rely on him so much for offensive production and his defense got better and he went on a really, really good run in that middle portion of the year. It made me feel very, very happy and very comfortable putting him there because I think right now, if you don't count Anthony Davis as a center, he stands above the rest, including Embiid, who's had a weird season, to say the least, uh, as the best center in the game by far, Nikola Jokic. All right. That's fine. I just think I, I see the way I see it as a center. I just think of it as like big men. I don't think about it as like center versus power For forward. Sure. I that's the way I choose to look at it. Absolutely. Just like he plays like a big man to me. Like he's a lot of post ups, protects the rim. That's how I. That's kind of how I feel about it. Big facts. I'm in on it. All right. Anyways, let's go to our second team. Do you want me to go first since you went first on the last one? Yeah, you go first this time. Okay, I'm gonna predict we have three of the same here, and we got I got Damian Lillard. Luka Doncic, Anthony Davis, Jimmy Butler, and Rudy Gobert. Okay. Uh, yep. Three. Exactly. Do we have Lillard, Doncic, and Butler? Yep. There Those are the ones. All right. So round out your second team. All right. So I had Dame, Luka, Jimmy Butler, and then I had Pascal Siakam and Nikola Jokic. Okay, so there we go. The only person that I have in my top 10 in my All-NBA first and second teams that you don't is Rudy Gobert, and who you have that I don't is Spicy P, correct? Correct. Okay, I, I mean, is there really much to argue there? I mean, we're going to go through some of these guys and like highlight some of the really awesome things that they did this year, but there's I don't feel like there's much big arguments there on any of those guys. Like, maybe you could... Could you even argue that Jimmy Butler would be out of there? Would you argue that... I mean, I think you could argue about Pascal Siakam, but those three specifically, Lillard, Doncic, and Butler, any arguments to knock them down to from, from second team? Uh, I mean, maybe Butler is the only one I can think of just because of raw numbers. Like, there are, fo- there are other forwards in the league I feel like have better raw numbers in terms of just his splits. Um, but I think weighing in just kind of like team performance and how he's kind of revamped his image this year, uh, like he, it's it's as much a narrative pick as it is a performance pick for me in terms of like now he's the guy on his own team and he's getting like the team is being is winning and they're successful and he's playing the way he's most comfortable playing, which is like not shooting threes, attacking the rim, taking some mid range and playing tough defense. Like, he is really playing Jimmy Butler basketball. So, and is and he's in the perfect place in Miami to do exactly what he wants to do, and you haven't heard anything but positive things from him or his teammates this whole season, which is like a total 180 from the last two or three years that we've, that we've seen from him. So I really, like, I, I kind of just want to reward that whole package. He's also averaging six assists. Yes. Which is that? That might be a career high for him. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. I will. Uh, I will fact check that. But it's obvious. I mean, 
you always have the balance when you're talking about all stars, even MVP, and especially these all NBA teams, right? You look like a guy. You look at like a guy like Trey Young, right? Who's averaging uh, 29 points and nine assists, and offensively has put on a show and highlights every single night, seemingly, right? And right. spoiler alert, he's not on any of my all NBA teams. But if you he watch is. the games, if you pay attention to uh, winning impact. Like, he's not on the same level as Jimmy Butler. It's not even freaking close, right? So, I like that you prefaced it, that his raw numbers aren't that great, and maybe some people will overlook that. But if you're paying attention, and you've been paying attention to the Heat, like, you understand the impact that this guy has. It's absolutely off the charts. That is a career high, six uh, assists per game for him. He's 20 points, six rebounds, six assists. And with that team... With some scoring punch in the the rookies and none in Hero, Goran Dragic still doing his thing. The uh, surgeons of Bam Adebayo, you know Jimmy isn't asked to score twenty nine a game. He's asked to score twenty nine every couple games or every one like once a, every other week to really put the team on his back. But his job is so much more than that. But yeah, exactly. And his job is so much more than that. And it's more important than putting up 29 and losing by 20 every night. Like maybe teams like the Wizards have Bradley Beal or Trey Young. And I'm not saying, you know, Trey Young and Bradley Beal don't have a case. We'll get into that. But I value what Jimmy Butler's done a million times more, and I think everybody should. Yeah, I think this is... He was going to ramp those points up in the playoffs, I think. But by taking kind of a step back and being like the heat over wrong-focused approach really gets guys reps and gets them comfortable so that in the playoffs, someone like hero or none is in and bam, like aren't uncomfortable taking a, a, like a, like a step forward in certain games where they might be feeling hot in the playoffs. So you need those X factor guys. Like I, the example I always come back to, I think it was 2012 and people for the heat thunder when it was like, KD, Harden, and Russ all on the same team. That was the first win for LeBron and the Heat. And Shane Battier like could not miss from three that whole series. And like anytime the Thunder were making a run, Shane Battier just another corner three, another corner three, another corner three. Like he, I, I felt like he was shooting ninety nine percent from three that series. So people always underrate those guys and getting getting guys like Hero and Nun regular season reps along with Adebayo like. That's really important to me. So again, rewarding the kind of the whole narrative instead of just the statistics of it. And since we're here, Duncan Robinson, though, I -hmm. mean, this dude, I've, how many times Duff, can you count on your hand or hands? Maybe did you see Duncan Robinson this year, go off ball around a screen, catch the ball and then go out of his way to take a dribble step back to the three point line and turn and shoot within seconds and nail it when he's when he's shooting as hot as he's shooting he can just do whatever he wants it is insane he's shooting 45 percent from three by the way on eight attempts that is no joke that is no freaking joke for duncan robinson but do you know the type of the play i'm talking about i've seen him do it at least like four or five times and i've been so impressed every time where he catches the ball like at like the smaller ring not the top of the key the one above the free throw line and catches it around there and turns around, goes away from the basket and takes a dribble, turnaround, step back and drains it. And like, I've never, not that uh, Steph Curry does stuff like that. Uh, 
Lillard doesn't. JJ Redick on the Sixers honestly yes. used to do stuff like that. Redick used to be falling into the fourth row and shooting a three from the from the wing. It was insane. But that type of play that Duncan Robinson is making it led to a dynamic in this offense that I don't think they expected to have. Um, I don't know why I'm even going so hard into this point, but it's just Duncan Robinson deserves it. hundred <laughs> oh, percent, I agree with that. Um, the other guy I want to mention, and I feel like this is kind of a similar storyline to Jimmy Butler, Pascal Siakam. So he's the other guy I had on front. He is having 23.5 points a game, 7.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists, a steal, a block, and he's shooting 36% from three. I mean, he just continues to get better and is an extremely dynamic offensive and defensive threat for the Raptors who have had tremendous team success. And this was a team that I thought was going to get kind of blown up and, you know, trade go uh, trade um, Gasol, trade Abaka, maybe even trade Lowry. Like, that's kind of what I expected from this team this year. But I think his emergence, along with the great veterans that I thought were all going to get traded, along with Van Vliet. So that team is just really a complete team. And I, again, just want to reward his individual performance leading to more team success. Well... It's uh, it's funny you make that point because all the points that you just made are kind of the reasons why I don't have Pascal Siakam on my all NBA because he has such a good infrastructure around him. Right. So actually, and I forgot to even bring this up. I wrote some notes before about Kawhi Leonard that I just didn't bring up because I actually thought there was a point of contention maybe about his status on the All NBA first team, but you know. He's played 51 games. Uh, James Harden's played like the most, and he's played 61. We're never going to get too mad about 10 games, especially with this weird scenario here. But he basically, this is the breakdown for the Clippers, right? 44 and 20 total is their win-loss record, right? They are 6-7 and seven without Kawhi Leonard. That is a below 500 team without Kawhi Leonard. They are 38-12 and 12 with him, which is really good, obviously. So... Last year, the Raptors without Kawhi Leonard were something like 18 and four, or like something like that, right? They're 17 and four, or some something that was very, very good and in line with what they were doing all year. And that leading to what you just said with Ibaka having a really good year, Kyle Lowry being really good this year, Van Vliet becoming a real player, Norm Powell becoming consistent for the first time in his career, I think. OG Ananobi, um, Marcus All has been hurt, but like Terrence Davis has been a nice piece for them. Basically, the the reasons why you just talked the Raptors up is why I had to leave Pascal Siakam off that team. Even though he's 24 points a game, he's 7.5 rebounds, he's almost 4 assists, he's a steal and a block, he's been awesome, and he deserves consideration. This team is really good, and they're a well-oiled machine, and that made it hard for me to prop him up over a likes of Jimmy Butler or people we're going to get into on the third team. Yeah, but they're the Clippers and the, the Clippers this year and the Raptors last year are very different teams. And the Clippers this year lose guys like SGA and Gallinari, who are really, who if they were still on the team would have been like super effective scorers and playmakers. So now maybe the, and that would to me like those two were decently close combination to being like, I, I don't know, pick any anyone from between like Lowry. Or, well, I guess Siakam would have been in that group last year. I don't know. You're right. The supporting cast on the Raptors was better. but And it's not even just about that. It's just like 
when you're comparing resumes here and you look at the Raptors, and we are, you know, we're trying to consider team success in these All-NBA teams, right? And maybe that should knock off Lillard down a peg, right? But Lillard's numbers have been absolutely outrageously good. Like, he should be possibly in the top five for the MVP voting again, even though he's still going to be, like, number four or five. But he's 29 points. He's eight assists. He's four rebounds. He's 40% from three. Like, Lillard is off the charts, right? So, like, I'm not going to knock Lillard down. But when I'm comparing, you know, Jimmy Butler to uh, Pascal Siakam to Chris Middleton to Jason Tatum and all these different guys, I did take away from Pascal that this Raptors team, it almost reminds me of an old Brad Stevens team, uh, kind of a current Brad Stevens team too, if you think about it. But, like, if someone goes down, Someone else is stepping up and can fill that role for two weeks at a time. And that's how the Raptors have played this season. And it's that little that little resume, little season note that knocked Siakam down for me a little bit. That's fine. I think... And also, you know, oh, wait, also, sorry, one thing based off my teams with having Anthony Davis as a forward for me, that made it even easier for me to pick Jimmy Butler and Anthony Davis over Siakam and the other guys I just mentioned. But, but yeah, go on, sorry. True. That's true. Yeah, ours ours are structured a little differently, so I guess our lists are structured a little differently. So I guess that's uh, also part of the uh, why why we would have such a such a difference there. Right, and um, the Kawhi thing I wanted to bring up when we talked about the first team, I kind of just forgot, but it actually became relevant in this Raptors Siakam uh, scenario because of that, because of what the team is or isn't without you, right? And the Raptors, I don't know what they are without Siakam, but Siakam's missed, I think maybe. 10 games this year, which, you know, isn't a lot, but he's missed a little bit of time. Larry's missed 10 games. They've been really banged up, too. The only person who's played in over 60 games for the Raptors is uh, OG Ananobi and Terrence Davis. So there's two people, actually. But that's those are not the people you think of as, like, the mainstays backbone, of a rotation. Backbone of that team. <laughs> right? And, I mean, I love OG. Don't get, don't get it twisted. But, like, yeah, I don't know. I think Siakam's awesome. I think he's a year away from taking the stat increase that he had and turning it into super efficiency and near superstardom where I think next year is a real chance for him to jump into that top 10-ish conversation and, and really solidify himself as an All-NBA player. I'm excited for it. The other the other guy I want to give a shout-out on here, Luka Doncic, obviously, second year in the league, twenty almost 29 points a game, nine assist, or nine rebounds, nine assists, and something I mentioned last year, like a part of his game I really wanted him to focus on was just getting more free throw attempts. This last year he was at six, this year he's at nine. So he's getting, you know, somewhere between, you know, maybe seven point seven free points from the foul line this year, whereas last year he could get like a maximum of six. So shout out him for for making taking that uh that part of his game to the next level. Absolutely. I mean, love love Luca. I saw you know Ben Steiner? Are you familiar? With Ben Stein? Ben Steiner. He's like some NBA writer guy on Twitter. From where? Oh, no. Yeah, uh, Honestly, not even not even that important who he is because what a terrible list this guy put out. He, he writes for the big lead, um, which I like Jason McIntyre, but, you know, the big lead isn't my favorite site. Um, he put out a best NBA players under 25 list on Twitter the other day. And didn't have Luka Doncic number one. Who do you have? He had Trey Young. Uh, I and I wrote 
I wrote from the NBA Outsiders Twitter, actually, at NBA underscore Outsiders. I said, it would have been more acceptable if you didn't even put Luka on the list at all and said that he's just too good for that list. Like... <laughs> Yeah, that would have been actually not as hot of a take. Yeah, if you said, like, oh, purposely left Luca off because he's too good for the under-25 list, I would have been like, yeah, word, obviously. Of course, that makes so much sense. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> but instead, he had Trey Young, Luka Doncic, Ben Simmons, then D'Angelo Russell before Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Conley Towns, Zion Ja. It got ugly quick. When did he come out with this list? Like, yesterday. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, maybe if he did that list at the beginning of the season, okay. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Luka Doncic, number one, all the way, every day. How you doing? How you been? All right, let's move right, on. Whatever. Um, I just need to get off, that, get that off my chest, I think. All right, I, I do want to talk about Rudy Gobert, though, because he is my center on second team. I'm going to go on a limb and say he's your third team center, and if not, I don't know That's what. That's correct. What, uh, it is, okay. So this dude, Rudy Gobert, Mr. Coronavirus himself. We can joke about that now because he's okay. Um. And so is Donovan Mitchell, for that matter. But 15 points, 14 rebounds, an assist and a half, sneaky, one steal and two blocks, right? Those numbers are, are fine. Sure, they're good. They're actually really good for a center. 70% from the field, and his win shares are fourth in the whole league. The basketball ref- wow. reference win shares. He is one of four players in the NBA to have hit double-digit win shares this season with James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Anthony Davis, Rudy Gobert. That's the list for win shares. And not all of his win shares are from defense. He has, um, I think, the third most defensive win shares. That is correct. And he is, in offensive alone, number five on win shares. So I know win shares aren't perfect. Rebounds definitely help uh, boost that up. But his efficiency, his presence... And his overall gravity on defense and offense, I think, have proven bigger than what we thought he was in the past. So, proud of him to be uh, an all-star for the first time. And I think second-team All-NBA is the perfect spot for him. I slightly disagree. I think it's third-team, but that's fine. That's fine. Otherwise, I agree with everything <laughs> you said. Like, he, he's just a dude who's... He's just like perfect with kind of everything he does in terms of rim running, rim running, rim, rim running, Jesus, and uh, rim uh, rim protection on the other end. So he he's just kind of like the prototype for for that and kind of what you would want the most out of that type of player. So I'm fully okay with it, and that's kind of like the best case scenario center in the league right now. So right, and and in this climate of centers in the NBA which we talked about before with Jokic and Anthony Davis and Embiid. And Carl um, Anthony Towns will bring into the conversation as well. Um, some of those guys are just, they're so talented and they're so ridiculous. And you almost don't even want to grade them on the same scale, right? Because Rudy Gobert isn't getting the touches that Jokic, Cat, and Embiid are getting. He's not getting post touches because he's not good at it. Yeah, sure. But like, it's just <laughs> not his role, right? So... If you discount those unicorn centers who haven't had great seasons in Towns and Embiid anyway, um, he is the perfect center. Because when you think about the other centers, the other guys who are really quality starters, the Stephen Adams of the world, Montrezl Harrell doesn't start, but you know that type of player, Jared Allen, uh, Demontis Sabonis, Valanch- yeah, Valanciunas, and Nikola Vucevic. Those are the real centers of the NBA, right? They're not the unicorns. They're not the flashy guys, but they're quality, good players. 
If you count right. all those guys in, Rudy Gobert does all of what he does better than anybody else, and he doesn't play outside of himself. And that's why I love him so much because he does what he's good at, and he's awesome at it. So I think outside of the unicorn centers, he is the best center in the league. And I don't know if that's a, like a weird caveat that's worth making, but it feels right in this scenario in the NBA, uh, all NBA teams. He is the center with the highest floor. And when I said like he's the best case scenario center, I kind of just meant like he's the best case scenario in terms of having realistic expectations and right. not, you know, really thinking that your center is going to be a unicorn, like you're saying. Absolutely. And um, in, in like in this world where Clint Capella comes up, comes to mind here, right? You talked about floor raisers. I considered, and we talked about this during the trade, or I actually did a solo pod, I talked about this. Clint Capello was a floor raiser for the Rockets. He wasn't a ceiling raiser, and that's why they decided to go off Clint Capella and go small ball because the Rockets believed they saw what they had with a Clint Capella center team. Not not centric, but with him at center. And they wanted to take that risk and play small and see what happens. And maybe the Jazz one day will figure out that their best closing lineup is actually, you know, without Gobert and a small ball lineup with, like, Bojan Bogdanovic playing center or who the hell knows what it's going to be, right? But for the time being, for the regular season, for what we have in front of us, this dude for 82 games, or in this case 62 games, makes an incredible impact um, on winning basketball games. All right, I think it's time to move on to our third teams, unless you got anything else. Nope, go on. All right, I'm going to I'm gonna kick it off again. And my two guards are Ben Simmons and Bradley Beal. Ben Simmons, 16, almost 17 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, and just over two steals. He's leading the league in that. Bradley Beal, now I've been harping on team performance and things like that. This is a guy who I think you can plug onto any team in the NBA, and it will make that team better without question. Like, if I, I, I and here's the difference between him and Trey Young. I cannot say that about Trey Young. Like, if you replace Danny Green with Brad Beal, that team is better. If you replace... Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you if you replace Trey Young with Eric Bledsoe, are the Bucks better? Like, Ugh, I don't even know. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, that's, like, such uh, a weird swap. Like, just, I, I don't even know. Like, how many shots has he taken out of Giannis's hands, out of Middleton's hands? And those guys have been so efficient this year. If you put him in Boston instead of Kemba Walker. Like, is that team better? No, you just gave me a brain aneurysm though. <laughs> I know it's, <laughs> oh but it's God. like, he, Wait, it's tough. like weird. Like you, I but swear that's to the God, thing. that's the thing. It's like, you have to seriously think about it. Like how would all those points translate onto a contender or something like that? Whereas if it's Brad Beal, I don't have to think about it. Like he is better on every other team. Like granted the team he's on now is terrible. I don't think that's his fault really. I just don't think they have any pieces around him. Um, and all their cap is being eaten up by John Wall and weird stuff like that. Jan Mahimni, even though he's actually doing not terrible this yeah, year. Um, which is like such a weird development, by the way. <laughs> yeah, which I thought he died. Um, but he's back, folks. Uh, NBA died, not real dead. Um, oh. Brad Beal. That's the case for Bradley Beal, for me. Um, and then my two forwards, I have Jason Tatum. And this one is a bit of a wild card. This is kind of just a personal favor for me. Brandon Ingram. Okay. And then and then center Gobert. Wow. So we actually only share we could <clears throat> All right. So I'm going to give you a peek behind the glass here. 
we could have none in common on the third team. I have currently right now I have Chris Paul, my second guard spot. I have Lowry slash Simmons. So I have both what of them. What do you mean slash? Pick I, 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 I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick. And then I have my forwards. I have Chris Middleton, Bam Adebayo, and my center is DeMontis Sabonis. And now the center thing gets weird because the Anthony Davis thing we talked about, we covered already. Um, but wait, hold on. I, I Can I go back to this uh, Trey Young thing real quick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I can't even like think straight until I cover until we talk about this out loud. All right. <laughs> So and the and the Bradley Beal thing too. I need to talk about that as well. So Trey Young on the Bucks. I am trying my absolute hardest to like see what that looks like. <laughs> and bro, I'm telling you, my brain is on fire right now trying to figure <laughs> that out. Like, oh my god, he takes he takes so many shots. Trey Young shoots the shit out of the ball, and he shoots pretty well. Right, he scores a lot of points. He makes some really nice passes when he decides to pass. He actually is a nine assist game guy, so he passes enough, but you know maybe not flow the offense enough. I, I can't. I, I'm I'm trying so hard to stall and just say words why I try to picture Trey Young on any team now. Now I'm picturing him on any team. The only team I could see him being a better person on is like maybe Jamal Murray. Maybe. Maybe. If you replace Trey Young with Jamal Murray, that team's better. But I don't even know if it is. I think it might be worse. Uh, I mean, I don't know. that. I don't hate that one, but it's just kind of like the the Nuggets' um, strength is just that they're so solid all the way and consistent all the way around. Even though, like I would agree, Trey Young probably has higher highs than any of their guards, especially Gary Harris. So, no, nah, but I would rather just have Jamal Murray out there. Trey Young saying, is so bad on defense; it's really he bad. Is so so you bad to, on defense. You hate to like see the, it, honestly. <laughs> like the Bucks could maybe survive it. The but, Bucks could survive it. They could because but, they're that good. But, but I think they get enough cumulative points from whoever is hot from three on any given night that like between Corver or Middleton or maybe it's even Bledsoe or Dante DiVincenzo or Brooke Lopez, like any one of those guys. Dude, George or, Hill. George Hill, yes, thank you. He's like, been any awesome one of those, this year. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I just, he slipped my mind. I don't have the roster in front of me. That's okay. Um, that's what we're here for. But any one of those guys or two or three combination like could really make up for those 30 points or whatever you could, or realistically, if he was on the Bucks, he would probably only be getting like 20, 23, somewhere in that range, just from fewer shots. So they could easily make up for those 20 points. Right. That maybe he would be giving them or whatever the difference would be between him and Bledsoe. Like, I think he would cost you more points on defense that he, than he would gain you on offense like you would be a net negative man that's craziness all right on bradley i know Beal, i just broke your brain but you, i was really thinking about it. i was like <laughs> how am i going to justify this because i really am a team success kind of person you broke my brain you really did when like, it comes to this but like that was I, and i thought about it i'm like what if i switched this person here and that person there and i was just like where would be a bad spot for bradley beale and then i was like where would be a bad spot for trey young and i got to like a couple of them off the bat and i was just like yeah He's like that every type of dude team. you want to play with, but like, does he make your team better? I don't know. Like the, like other other players, like LeBron would be like, of course we want Trey Young, the way the same way he's like, of course we want Russell Westbrook, of course we want Kyrie Irving. But it's like, do you? Do you I love really? I I love Shabazz Napier. Draft him. I'm leaving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> LeBron GM. 
He's yeah. had some swings and misses. Uh, and on, on the Bradley Beal front here, if you look at the Wizards roster, man, oh my gosh, it is, it's brutal. Now, granted, Isaiah Thomas played 40 games for the Wizards. He's no longer with the Wizards. Wow, was that many? Yeah, he played 40 games. He averaged 12 points. Bradley Beal averages 30 points. The next two best players on the Wizards are Davis Bertans, who's having a very nice season. And he is far and away, like not even close, the second best player on that team. Yeah, it's like Davis Bertans would be a fantastic, eh, that's maybe strong. He'd be a very good fourth best player. And he is by a long shot their second best player. But you know what's funny about him? I think he would be a better fit on like the Lakers or the Bucks than Trey Young. <laughs> yeah, he would. He one hundred percent would. The, or the Clippers, you know. The, like the third any. best player, by the way, is Rui Hachimura. Which, like, how? He's a rookie. No one expected him to be good this year. He's actually better. But I than... guess he's getting a ton of reps. And that yeah. coach, he seems to have his name is fully escaping me right now. You're gonna have to look his, that uh, one up. Yeah, I'm gonna at some point, but not. Uh, uh, but also, wait, wait real quick. Real quick, running through this team again. Thomas Bryant, actually a, a nice player at this point in his, in his he's career. He's been a nice player. Yeah, he's been a nice player, but he's been banged up. He's only started 28 games. Right, the, but the for Wizards like a couple are, years, he was a nice player. Yo, Jan Mahimni has started 35 games. That's what I'm saying. Isaac Bonga has started 41 games for the Wizards. That is not that is. that is not a made up statistic. He averages four point six points. Now Isaac Bonga uh, is kind of like a point guard coming in, but he's like six seven. He's kind of like Sean Livingston ish, but like not that good, obviously. Uh, I have watched more than one less than five Wizards games. I don't know who that is. And he plays eighteen minutes a game. So and he starts. So how about that? So Bradley Beal, Never I think I think in 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 short here, Bradley Beal deserves the love because the Wizards have at least been fun, entertaining, putting points on the board, and um, yeah, more so than the Hawks for sure. So Bradley Beal, I'm not mad at it, not at all. Let me make my decision here because right. I have to make a decision. Yeah. I'm going to go for the sake of us not having anyone the same on the third team and for the sake of the Sixers being so disappointing this year. My guy, my guy, Ben Simmons is out. Kyle Lowry. So I'm going Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry, Chris Middleton, Bam Adebayo, and DeMontis Sabonis, which is one of the weirdest All-NBA third teams maybe ever, but I fully support it, and that's my that's my third team. Who were your foes again? Sabonis and someone else? Um, no, um, Middleton, Middleton and Adebayo, and then Sabonis is my center. Okay, I am fully supportive of the Middleton pick. I don't I don't really under I don't support the Bam pick. I don't know. I just I get what he's he's really dynamic and he's fun to watch on that team specifically, but, but like to me he's such a unique guy. Um and he's been really productive for that team, but I I kind of think that this has been a breakout season for Ingram and Tatum and I just think those guys are way more valuable in terms of what they can produce on any given team and to me they've been equally fun to watch so for me that's why I have those guys and Tatum he's averaging 23 and a half points seven rebounds three assists he's shooting 40 percent from three Ingram 24 points, six rebounds, four assists, shooting 38% from three. And this is a guy people were basically ready to write off 
um, because he was performing well in LA. And meanwhile, he's still 22. He may have turned 23 this season. Yeah, uh, I mean it's hard to it's hard to argue against that. But here's my case for Bam Adebayo: sixteen points, ten rebounds, five assists, fifty-seven percent uh, from the field. Doesn't really shoot threes, so we're not even going to bring that up. Um, and it, this is to me the Draymond Green All NBA scenario, right? Like this is the fact that his team is good. He is a huge reason as to why that team is good, and. In this specific case, his value rises above what some of those other guys are doing, in my opinion. And that's why I went with Bam. So, basically, yeah, he's not going to put in 28 a game. He's not going to be able to carry an offense um, for, for you know, a, a couple weeks at a time. But all the other things that he does and the way that offense runs through him makes me feel comfortable with putting him in this spot. Because when you watch the Heat, it's not like he's just in the right place at the right time and getting offensive rebounds to get his 16 points. Like they are running the offense through him. He occasionally will bring the ball up as a point center. And and when you have that type of value and in fast break, you can do the things that Bam Adebayo does. That allows me to justify rating his value at all NBA third team level. And I think the Draymond Green thing is exactly what you have to look to. Now he's been on two all NBA teams and his numbers aren't even as good as Bam Adebayo's. Now, I think Draymond had some years uh, with some higher assist totals than five when he made All-NBA, but his career high in points is 14. 14, 9, and 7.5 and was his best statistical season, and obviously he's won his Defensive Players of the Year and his All-Defense teams and whatnot, um, but I think that's the perfect comp for Bam Adebayo and why he deserves it. In a vacuum... Yeah, Jason Tatum does more offensively and can carry a team offensively. Um, but in the actual systems of uh, these NBA teams, Bam is allowed to do what he does best and make a bigger impact than people I left off, who are my honorable mentions, uh, which include Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, Pascal Siakam. Uh, I even wrote in, I wrote Russell Westbrook. I wrote Donovan Mitchell, Bojan Bogdanovich. Um, but Bam Adebayo, with all those other things considered, uh, I think deserves this nod. Okay. I'm going to tell you why he doesn't deserve it. And this tell is me. a precedent I don't want to set. You're saying he gets the Draymond Green treatment. The reason Draymond Green got the Draymond Green treatment is because he was on like one of the best teams of all time. And I don't want to, that, that was kind of like reward this team, team success, champion, all that. But, that was when they were on a historic run. Like the Heat are doing better than we expected, but they're not even like the best in their conference. I don't. Th- I think they ended the season as what the three seed. I I don't think their team has done enough to warrant that type of like team success nod from a Draymond Green type player. Like I don't want to set that precedent for That's someone fair. like that. I mean, now the granted, Celtics I have think a better he's record. a more skilled guy than Draymond. Yeah, but I and I think. You know, like it, we've talked about this all the time. Like, if Draymond Green was on his own team, he's not doing. I think if Bam Adebayo is on like a similar situation where he's kind of alone on his own team or whatever, like if I don't know, sw- trade trade him with uh, Trey Young. If now he's the point guy on the Hawks, like that team is better than the version of where you swap Trey Young out and put Draymond Green on that team. Like right. that, I agree with. I don't think that's enough to make it. 
make right. him all NBA. And like my- if you put Jason Tatum on the Hawks and um, they have a real scorer again, who who will take the ball? Well, then they're tra- just the Wizards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, honestly, and then by the transitive property, if you put Jason Tatum on any other team in the NBA, that team gets better because now he's the Bradley Beal of the Hawks. Facts. I mean, that, if that's not the transitive property, I don't know what is. You just disproved your own point. <laughs> I think, honestly, listening to your take, and I hate to say this, but like, I kind of agree with you. I think Tatum should uh, get this nod or Siaka maybe, but that's how I was feeling at that the time. I know, I know that like that's not a total one to one, you know, conversion because like team chemistry, all that, like very important. But that's kind of one of my favorite things to do, and how I grade a lot of these things is like if I put you know player A in place of player. B, if I swap them or if I put them in a neutral situation, whatever, I think that is like kind of how I like to compare players just in terms of like team impact and what their skill set is going to bring to someone else. Like, I don't know. That's just me. That's just how I do it. No, nah, I mean, I think that's pretty fair. I think it's fair. I, I think there's different ways to skin it. And, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe giving Bam out of bio the Draymond Green treatment isn't fair because of how great those teams were. And the Heat are not even as good as the Celtics right now. So, like, yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 the Heat and Bam, I think, are in such a unique situation together. So, uh, to me, kind of a strange thing. Like, I'm rewarding Butler because he's the alpha dog on that team. And, like, he's kind of had this personality, has been revamped and what, the everyone thinks of him and his numbers haven't suffered and the team has succeeded like it's he's like triple check in the box for me right and when you look at something like win shares which is not perfect at all but like bam Adebayo is 12th in the league in win share totals which sounds amazing but who he's tied with is hassan whiteside who <laughs> you know <laughs> which, which tells you win shares are not perfect exactly just like we said earlier win share is not perfect and jason tatum's all the way down there at 24th and Siakam even lower, Ben Simmons even lower. Um, but oh no, Ben Simmons at eighteen, but still, um, yeah. So not perfect, but I, I do I do try to reward a guy like Bam Adebayo. But I think that's also some of my personal bias of just so, being such an appreciator of what he does that maybe I overcompensated by putting him there. And you know, after hashing this out, and this is the point of this whole thing, you know, I, I actually would consider putting Tatum above a Bam Adebayo because Tatum, from a number standpoint, has been like really freaking awesome and especially yeah. on that little run of 30 point games he had he's been off the charts he's at 24 points seven rebounds three assists he's been at the free throw line a little bit more in the past i still want to see him get there more but uh i think i think in that that's probably the most contentious point of this uh little exercise we're doing is that forward spot on the third team or depending yeah. if you put Andy and look, Davis I have Brandon Ingram there, and that's certainly kind of like one of those personal choice picks, which I feel like is what Bam is for you. So it's fair; it right. all comes out of the wash. Absolutely, Bab would say absolutely. And uh, I think I said this already before, but my honorable mentions are Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, Siakam, Donovan Mitchell, and Bojan. I kind of put them there together because I feel like they're hurting each other's numbers in a way because. You know, they're both averaging over 20 points. Mitchell at 24 and Bojan at 20. Um, so if one of them wasn't there, like, yeah, maybe Mitchell will be at like 27, 28, or Bojan will be at 24. Who knows? But that's why I put their names together. And then uh, Russell Westbrook, I think, deserves a mention. Despite the pretty terrible shooting numbers, especially from three, his impact, and we've been through this before, 
has been clear and evident, especially since they went small. He was just lighting people's paints on fire. Not their taints, Duffy, their paints. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think my honorable mention would be like the number one guys chris middleton and like seriously if you have like gun to my head who do i think really deserves to be on an all nba team between him and brandon ingram i'm probably going to say chris middleton brandon ingram is just a player that i i, I felt like their n- numbers were like fairly comparable and ingram to me is just has been so fun to watch this year just kind of as a redemption story and also i just kind of enjoy the way he plays so that's basically what my justification for it yeah i mean if let's go through Chris Middleton's numbers here, because this is why I have him on here. I mean, if you watch the Bucks, you should know his value. Like you really, really should, yeah. because you want to just and we've say. We've been saying, look, for the record, Pete and I have been both of us for years before Giannis got good, and then everyone started watching the Bucks, and then started realizing how good Chris Middleton was. We were saying this like well in advance of that. So oh my God. yeah, he, his, so his shooting's ridiculous. Yeah, for real. His his shooting is ridiculous. His playmaking is underrated. He's a big wing who could defend and he could run he could run the offense. And when you have a guy in Giannis who as much as he's willing to shoot, which is really really awesome and he takes almost five threes a game, he's still shooting 30% and he's doing it to keep him honest and we want Ben Simmons to do that. But if Giannis is out there without a Chris Middleton on his team who is shooting 41% from 3 and uh, 40, uh, 46% from the field, 90% from the free throw line. Like that dude is imperative to have out there with Giannis and he could bring the ball up and run pick and rolls and run the offense. His value is underrated at this point. And some people try to harp on his, his playoff stuff. He's had incredible series in the playoffs. If you look at his numbers in the he playoffs, kills he, the he destroys kills. the Celtics and it's not like he disappears in other series. He just, it was his first real run in the playoffs. Like, this dude is going to get better, but he is so important to that team. And I, I think I'd put him without doubt in front of Tatum and Siakam and Ingram, uh, despite his, like, I guess, totals being a little bit lower, but on less shots and better efficiency. So I'm all for it. Fine by me. Yeah. Fine by me, partner. Yeah. And lastly, for me, it's uh, DeMontis Sabonis. And I mean, that's just not a sexy pick. That's a classic all NBA third team center who you realize like three or four years later you're like wait a minute i mean i know that dude was good but he made an all nba team like that is that's i think about that monthly monthly whenever i whenever someone else because it's never me mentions andre drummond andre drummond oh my god i think he might have two damn that dude it was at least one he is uh oh no only one time all nba but two-time all-star which man i mean come on <laughs> he got traded to the Dude, he's to the Cavs. League man. in rebounding like for the last five years, like he just gets bored. And on on the contrary, if we are talking about Demontis Sabonis, my guy, he is a different cat. He is an old school guy with a new school fit, if that makes sense. So he is a a banger. He is setting hard screens. He can pass out of the elbow. Uh, better than most bigs in the league, if not top like th- three to five passers who are bigs in the league. I mean, he only aver- he averages five assists. He averages five assists. That's crazy. So Demontis Sabonis averages eighteen points, twelve and a half rebounds, and five assists. I was talking about Bam Adebayo and how the Heat run the offense through him. 
I mean, this dude playing without Victor Oladipo for most of the year, and really it's not even the real Oladipo yet, it's been him and Brogdon and TJ Warren and a kind of a ragtag team just winning basketball games. And I think he got the perfect amount of love by making that all-star team because, yeah, he's not super flashy, but his field goal percentage is off the charts. He does so many good things on the court. He is the same sense of Rudy Gobert being a non-unicorn but super good center. Sabonis is right there. He's not as good as Gobert, but he is extremely impressive to watch what he can do in small spaces and what he can do defensively and setting screens. Like I love watching that guy, and I think he's only getting better. I don't know how many All-NBA teams are in his future when you know Embiid, Cat, Gobert, Jokic are all super healthy and efficient. Uh, but you think it's just his time to sneak one in. This is his time to sneak one in, and it's not a Drummond situation because this dude actually helps win games. True, uh, but to me, just going back to the Anthony Davis thing real quick, he is Sabonis. I mean, is like he's basically a forward in my mind. Like he is the the prototypical power forward in my mind. Like I know he's listed as a center. Yeah, but that's old to me. That's like that's an old way of looking at it. He's an old power forward. I'm just saying, bro. Miles Turner is like the center on that. Team. Yeah, I mean Miles Turner is definitely a center and definitely on that team. I don't know. It's weird because ESPN has Sabonis as a power forward, but, uh, but basketball, basketball reference, reference has him as a center. Correct. I don't know. I guess you know what? Maybe my my whole NBA teams need to be thrown in the trash right now. Because if <laughs> if Sabonis is a center, I guess Anthony Davis is a center, right? I don't know. I mean, by by your logic, by my logic, by, by my logic. own logic. Again, thwarted by yourself. Oh, God, brutal, absolutely brutal. You know who the leading scorer on the Pacers is? Offhand, uh, T.J. Warren. Yes, T.J. Warren. Very well. TJ yeah, Warren that's my guy. is the leading scorer on a team that is fifth in the Eastern Conference with 39 wins at this point. Pretty pretty impressive by the Pacers, honestly. Craziness. Absolute craziness out here, Duff. I mean, that was a good exercise. I think we talked about a lot of players there that are important and have made impacts on this season. It's weird because we didn't talk about LeBron, Harden, or Giannis at all. Those are just gimmies, though. Because like, it's just that's yeah. more of a conversation to have when we talk about like MVP. Exactly, exactly. They're they're like on the uh, best players under twenty five list. They're the Luca of that Ooh. list, where it's like, oh, I lost you. No, I'm here. Oh my gosh, we just got a new member. Oh, he's not. His mic is muted. We're not going to bring him Wait, in yet. Did. It's okay. Uh, but basically, Giannis, Harden, and and LeBron are to the all NBA team as Luca is to the best under 25 team because it's so clear that they're, that they're there. You don't have to even argue it. You don't have to mention a stat. You just say LeBron hard and Giannis and you're like, yeah, yeah, the three best players in the league. There you go. I agree. Fully automatic. There you go. I don't know. Is there anything else you want to add uh, Duff to our all NBA conversation before we say our goodbyes and last words? I mentioned this before, but I just want to say, I think we spent a little too much time talking about like guards, forward centers, and I think that has less to do with us and just more about like how this system is constructed by the league. So I think I find that to be a little disappointing. And when I hear people like, you know, Kevin O'Connor talk about how it shouldn't be that way, or people like Zach Lowe say 
you know, it shouldn't be that way. I've kind of just like poo-pooed it. I'm just like, just figure it out. It can't be that hard or whatever. And when I'm actually sitting here trying to justify which player I'm going to put it at which position and, you know, like actually writing, writing it out, I realize that it's, it's, it sucks. Like trying to really just like, you're you're splitting hairs like when you're doing that and it's like almost it's not worth it like that's not what the exercise is supposed to be to me it's just supposed to be like the best 15 players so right i would say just get rid of positions or make it guards and forwards and then don't even worry about like centers i i think that, but it's tough because they they lace these awards into how much money players can actually make right so it really doesn't it- matter is it good or bad that if there was no yeah. centers on here that oh. Sabonis would never get on it and Gobert would be questionable? Is that good or bad? It's up to debate because you could say, based off of how this NBA is still set up, even though it's less set up like this, a center is still important and still valuable, and um, all teams have a center, basically, except for the Rockets, right? Um So do you want to take that away from Gobert and take that away from Sabonis? Now, obviously, like... Jokic, Cat, and Bede would still have their really great chances to make an All NBA team, but these other guys, Sabonis, Andre Drummond, or people of that ilk, like basically, is it wrong to strip that from them? Because if you take away the center mand- mandated center position in the All NBA teams, half of these guys are never even sniffing. I agree. It's just kind of weird, but like it's one of those things where people would like do it. They talk about it for a month. They talk about when the awards come out. And then the next season, they would never talk about it again. Right. I mean, the all-star thing is a little different, too. But Sabonis made the all-star team. So did Bam Adebayo. So I don't know what that says about but anything. Like, but would I rather have Chris Paul or DeMontis Sabonis on this list? I'd rather have Chris Paul on this list. I didn't have a place to put him, though. Oh, yeah. You didn't have Chris Paul. I did. What the hell, dude? Yeah. Chris Paul is sick this year. I agree. I would. I almost put him in there, but I, did, I put Beal instead. That's fair. I mean, Beal was my first honorable mention. Remember where I was like sitting there? I was like, I know who you would put before the before we started the pod. I was like, you know, this is who I would. This is who you would put. This is who right. Frank would put. Who am I trying to? Who am I going to put there? Hmm. And then I ended up going with like door number four. But that's I knew you were going to put Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean, I think Chris Paul, Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, those, and Rudy Gobert and Sabonis, even for that matter. But all those guys for me are exemplifying winning, right? And it's not the stats guy. So that's kind of where I ended up this year. And maybe it's because there has been some disappointing teams and there has been, you know, the Rockets maybe just not as good as we hoped. Uh, Even the Jazz haven't been maybe as good as we could have hoped or uh, obviously the Sixers for that matter. And that's why I was okay with leaving Simmons off. Like those disappointments basically helped me lift up the... The non-disappointments? I don't know what the better word is for that, but you know what I mean. Those should the standouts, the people who stood out or, right. or exceeded expectations. Exactly. The exceeding exceeders of expectation. That is it. Well, anyways, John Lucas Duffy and Pete Kennedy here. Uh, Duff, do you have any last words for our quarantine sports blog New York podcast listeners? Uh, we need to lock up Carol Baskin. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I was so out. I watched that show and I was just like the first two episodes. I was like, wait, there's seven of these. Ugh. And then anyone living under a rock, I'm talking about Tiger King. And then I watched the fifth episode and I was like, I still don't know if I like this. And then I watched six and seven. I was like, that was pretty great. I wish it was only like five episodes instead of seven, but 
Yeah, not really. I mean, I it saw was just so funny and so many great like references uh, for it, other people. It's unbelievable, it. unbelievable entertainment. I saw. I didn't see episode one, and I saw two through seven, and that's fine by me. Like, I don't need to go back and like. I don't feel like I missed anything because of the absurdity in that show. That you get your fix. I have my trash TV fix for the next like three years in. I don't have to watch anything ridiculous. I agree. Absolutely. You're not missing Insane. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, my last words are keep an eye out for the Michael Jordan documentary. What? April oh, 19th yeah. release is finally coming. Uh, was it called? The Last Dance? Last Dance. About his last season. I am all in on it. I am here for it, and I look forward to it. So, yeah. How about that? And also, um, MLB The Show. Shout out to MLB The Show because I've been ripping that game lately. So, yeah. How about that? Catch me outside. That's it. All right. Sports Blog New York Podcast. John Gustav P. Kennedy here. Thank you so much for listening. As always, don't be bashful. Subscribe to the podcast. Put the notifications on on your phone so you know when the episodes come out. And also, leave a rating and review on iTunes or Apple Podcast app. Greatly appreciated. Hopefully, we'll help you guys make a day easier, make an hour or so easier, uh, get distracted. Don't don't take in too much news. That's, uh, that's my personal preference. Don't take in too much news. You're going to drive yourself insane. Listen to a fun uh, shooting from the hip podcast with two guys talking about hoops instead. How about that? Sounds good to me. Cheers, everybody. Stay safe out there. Wash your damn hands, you filthy animals. <laughs>